cool. So in the first kind of part that we did on stress management, we kind of used it as a bit more of an introduction, kind of considering, you know, why it's important, kind of the effects that it can have if left unmanaged. And we kind of looked at more of kind of lifestyle factors and how we can kind of manage that in our habits to already start kind of managing stress much better. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are certainly many other things that we could actually do to help manage stress. And two very kind of key uh, kind of contributors to this are our training and nutrition. Uh, obviously, last time we already kind of started touching on the idea of the autonomic nervous system and kind of parasympathetic states. And I think Ben, you probably want to kind of lead off with kind of training uh, when kind of looking at that. Yeah. So as a reminder, you have the autonomic nervous system and you have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic being uh, fight or flight, parasympathetic being rest and digest. So, you know, as you can guess for stress management, you want to be in that rest and digest state the majority of the time. So we've talked about lifestyle factors and how they can help with stress management, but let's look now at trend factors. And to start, let's look at every powerlifter's favorite word, which is cardio. So, <laughs> so cardio actually is, is very good for stress management because your basically cardio obviously helps to build your aerobic capacity which is basically, it is essentially your cardiovascular conditioning. Um, but your aerobic or the aerobic pathway is also the recovery pathway. So if you have better aerobic capacity, you have a better capacity to recover. If you can, as again, as a side note here, if you can recover better, you have a better ability to manage um, harder, well, harder training, essentially. And again, training is a stress itself. So you basically have a better ability to manage more stress. Yeah, great. So looking at this from, say, like your heart rate perspective. Now, if your heart rate is elevated, again, this is a signal to your body to be in this uh, fight or flight sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So if you have a higher resting heart rate and say you're going to sleep at night, in the middle of the night, you've got a resting heart rate of like 90 or something like that. That's very high for when you're asleep. That is very high when you're asleep. Now, that number one, that suggests you have poor cardiovascular conditioning. But in terms of like this signal, it's telling your body that, you know, whilst you're meant to be asleep and recovering, the ultimate recovery, which is sleep, it's telling your body that it's supposed to be like fighting a lion or something. Yeah, like yeah. that's the signal you're giving to your body that you're mm -hmm. in this fight or flight uh, state when you're trying to be asleep, which again, this is the ultimate recovery state. So if we can improve cardiovascular conditioning, Number one, we can lower rest and heart rate, which directly sends a signal to be in a rest and digest state. And we can also, like I say, improve this aerobic capacity, which means we have greater recovery cap re recovery. I've got the words recovery capabilities. <laughs> As you can see, I, I have mind blips all the time. Um, whatever. So recovery capabilities, um, which means a greater ability to manage stress. So number one, straight off the bat, is do your cardio. Listen again, do your cardio. Don't miss I'd, out on cardiovascular uh, work. Yeah, I'd better it's, it's, keep yeah. that information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is important. Um, so that's the cardio aspect. Uh, again, I don't know if you want to add anything before we move on to more of the other training uh, factors we've got to account for. And I keep, keep, keep rolling with it. I've, I've got some ideas I kind of want to, to get across a little more on the, the resistance training side of things and kind of some ideas on, on arousal and, and stuff like that. So I reckon if, if you want to kind of go into, into training things already, then I'll just add on yep. after, after you've kind of touched on that. So 
resistance training. That, as we've touched on, is a stress. Mm-hmm. That's so important to remember. Uh, again, stress plus recovery equals adaptation. So that stress is a good stress. It is a good stress. But refer back to the first episode. Stress is stress. Too much stress is bad. Stress adds up, it accumulates, it compounds, and you get a total stress load. So yes, your training has to be looked at as a stress and considered with all the other stresses in your life. So if you're a highly stressed individual, you should not be doing super hard training because the harder you train, the greater the stress that adds to this total stress load and it makes this problem worse. So your training has to be looked at in that way. Um, I mean, again, if you don't, for whatever reason, don't care about your health that much, then, and you just care about growing muscle, then guess what? You know, if, if you're highly stressed and your training is a stress and adds to the stress load, performance is not going to be very good anyway. So you, even if you just care about gaining muscle, you're not really going to perform very well, which means the result of gaining muscle is not really going to go your way. So even if you just care about that front, then viewing trainers as stress is still, still relevant to you and still important to you. So yes, you have to view stress as training and then you have to take that into consideration, your actual lifestyle and how stressed you are as a person when it comes to writing and performing a, a training plan. Um, so resistance training is great. Um, and it can help with stress management itself, but unlike cardio, like I say, it is just, it is, does place a huge stress or uh, toll onto the body. Um, so from a purely training perspective, um, we'll touch on like the, how their nutrition starts to interact in a bit, but from a purely from a training perspective, if you are someone that is highly stressed, um, so you, you're not, like I say, you're not going to want to train super, super hard. And this is where we can now look at training in, in a periodized way. Uh, so what I mean by that is if you're highly stressed, you probably, as we've touched on, want to, in terms of training, probably say focus onto your cardiovascular work first. So maybe you only want to train a couple of times a week, so twice a week, and then your whole training block is focused around cardio. So you're improving that side of things first. You're improving your stress management on that side of things. You're improving your recovery capabilities on that side of things. Uh, it's all going to lead into this ability to be able to train harder uh, down the road. So again, it's this ability to think long-term. In terms of the training twice a week, you probably just want to do enough to help maintain your current muscle mass. So full body twice a week, nothing too hard. Maybe you want to look at maybe doing systemic work because again, that's just going to further help conditioning. Yeah. But that's then when you have to then start to consider your nutrition around that. Um, but again, before we touch on the nutrition, I know you want to add some things first, Kev. So I'll let you do that first, and then we'll start to talk about matching your nutrition to training. Yeah, no, I think I think that was good. Um, I think that there's a lot for people to kind of consider on the idea of you know training being a, a stressor in itself. And therefore, also kind of how we can kind of, as, as you mentioned, kind of periodize things potentially around periods of higher stress to ensure that we're not just kind of adding to, to that stress and making it even yep. more unmanageable. Because uh, again, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people do think of, of training kind of more as, as a stress management tool. But, you know, if we're not using that in the right way, then we're potentially actually just kind of hindering our ability to progress by actually just making this problem even worse and that kind of links into to what i wanted yeah. to kind of add on to there about kind of the, the psychology especially when we get into kind of our style of training which is where i think people would be particularly uh, should be particularly vigilant about how kind of stress affects that because yeah you know, especially especially when we're looking at kind of more hardcore training 
it, it becomes very kind of it's, it's become very kind of popular to kind of you know take it there before you're set so you can kind of give things like you know max effort but going back to the idea of kind of the autonomic nervous system and kind of sympathetic versus parasympathetic state and obviously usually when we're when we're training because we're exposing ourselves to to these stresses usually that's going to be obviously sympathetic leaning anyway and usually that's why it's important to focus on you know getting into more of a parasympathetic state post-training so that we can you know be in a better position to kind of potentially sleep if we're training like after work or something and obviously be able to eat and digest our meals more efficiently post-training this then comes with the whole idea of kind of the psychology and arousal side of things because if we are kind of taking it there before a set and trying to really kind of stimulate ourselves to to you know get into this state of more extreme arousal for the sake of performance benefit then again going along with the idea of potentially training a little less harder during periods of stress and maybe a bit more kind of just maintenance work again also comes this idea of if we're really kind of driving ourselves further and further into a sympathetic state, especially when we consider kind of more psychological arousal, are we just contributing further to the problem? And again, can we actually just take a little bit of a step back on training to maybe make two steps forward when thinking a little Mm -hmm. little long-term? With those things kind of considered and kind of training in itself being a stressor as well as kind of, um, you know, the psychological impact Obviously, with that being said, you know, that there is kind of the idea of potentially if you can learn to kind of let those demons loose in training, then can you potentially better management, manage them at, at other times of the day? Potentially, but uh, it's worth considering right. if, if that is actually, you know, doing a bit more harm than good. And potentially if you do yeah. kind of fit more into, into one side of that or, or the other and how you yeah. individually manage your stress best. But, yeah. Yeah. So rabbit hole time we have to jump on this rabbit hole now that you've brought it up uh first thing i'll say before i jump down the rabbit hole is in terms of like arousal states uh quick point out is you in psychology you have something called inverted u theory which is basically looking at different states of arousal so it's literally like that to bell shaped curve here you're not very oh, aroused okay, at all no, okay, okay. here optimal arousal and here you're overly aroused you mm-hmm. want to be in that level of optimal arousal to be able to perform best because if you're yeah. overly aroused or under aroused you don't won't perform well Second thing is the demon side of things. Uh, we need to jump down this rabbit hole because this probably will impact a lot more people. So if you use your demons to help you train, now there's a difference between just getting yourself hyped up and aroused and maybe a bit angry versus using an emotional demon response. So if you use your demons to be able to train hard and you progress in a set, it, it feels good to progress, right? When you hit a PR, it feels good. Um, so what does that do? Well, it, it creates this sense of reward. You, you've, you've progressed, you feel good about yourself. You've created a sense of reward. Your body obviously, you know, likes that feeling of it's cause it's a feeling of pleasure. Your body likes a feeling of pleasure. Well, if you now start to associate these demons with a feeling of pleasure and this dopamine release, guess how your body is now going to start to get this dopamine release because you need more every time you if you over abuse dopamine release then you need more to stimulate the pleasure response in the first place so the way in which your your mind is now going to start to seek that pleasure is by essentially upregulating those feelings that comes with the whole you know the using your demon side of things mm-hmm. so you're actually creating more stress in that sense more yeah, emotional yeah. trauma by upregulating that trauma because your mind is associated with those feelings of pleasure 
And so using those demons to train hard, yes, it might help you with your training, it might help you to progress, but it's also reinforcing that trauma. And again, emotional trauma is probably one of the biggest stresses you could ever have in your life, like undoubtedly. So understanding that is actually really important. And there is a difference, like say, between getting yourself aroused and maybe getting even a bit angry and working hard in set versus using emotional trauma, essentially. Um, and that's just, again, that's a rabbit hole, but it's one we need to jump down so people can understand and they can understand why outside the gym, they're having more anxiety or depression or problems is because they're reinforcing that emotional trauma through what they're doing in the gym. Uh, and that's just really, really key and important to understand. Um, so again, that does affect stress management. Um, all right, so rabbit hole, jump down. Let's jump back out now. Um, let's look at training side of things. Nutrition. Uh, training and nutri nutrition and training side of things, yes. So matching your nutrition to your training is also incredibly important for stress management. So again, looking at something like and this is very typical, especially for females in the gym, is they do more sort of metabolic style work, which is, again, just that lack of acid buildup, that feel the feel burn, the burn. <laughs> style of training. Yeah. But yeah. what do girls also do at the same time? Well, no carbs like before yeah, mobs. No yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No carbs before mobs, right? That's very popular saying. <laughs> so it's just like work relentlessly hard in the gym and eat no carbs. Well, guess what? This metabolic style of training, this lactic acid buildup style of training, requires a lot of glucose to be mm -hmm. to, to to do basically so it's a glucose dominant fuel system so if you're not providing your body with the glucose it needs to be able to do that guess what that's creating huge amounts of stress onto the body because it doesn't have the fuel source it needs so matching your nutrition to your training in that sense is again it's paramount it's so important for stress management otherwise again you're just creating loads more stress loads more stress so uh, again, that's really, really critical. Um, I'll throw that back to you now, Kev. Yeah, I think also. I think that's a very good one to throw out, particularly at, at times like this where, where it's relevant because, I, I mean, we probably won't release this for a few weeks, but obviously I think as gyms start to open up, obviously now with us kind of in the, in the final few weeks of lockdown before gyms open up, I think there's a lot that people are going to carry forward from their lockdown training to the gyms. Uh, and I think obviously that, that's a very good one to touch on because I think that's something that's become even more increasingly popular during during lockdown both this idea okay. of more kind of metabolic style work and kind of the restriction of carbs because a lot of people have kind of associated lockdown with being much more sedentary and therefore oh well we're not we're not moving as much we're not being as active we don't need kind of uh, as many carbs but as you rightly touched on there kind of this more metabolic style work is obviously very glucose demanding so to actually consider you know those kind of nutritional protocols and not really matching it up with the kind of training that you're doing is potentially a lot more detrimental. And I think yeah. people kind of potentially now with gyms uh, opening back up soon will potentially kind of with lessons that they've learned through training during lockdown. And as we kind of touched on in the, you know, efficient lockdown training episode that we did is a lot of people who maybe have been looking to get a bit more active through lockdown and kind of potentially ingrained in themselves these dare I say it, bad habits from kind of potential, you know, taking workouts from these influences and workouts which are much more kind of sensation based and feel the burn, they might take these forward to the gyms with them and then, you know, potentially work themselves even harder as they kind of have more opportunity to do so. And we get into this idea of kind of further 
uh, you know, creating unnecessary amounts of stress by then not really ma uh, matching our nutrition with our training. So I think that was a, a very good one to, to kind of uh, throw out there. Uh, obviously, yeah. you know, we, we, carbohydrates are important for kind of a, a variety of, of, of energy systems. So they are very associated with kind of training heavier and requiring shorter bursts of energy. But I don't think a lot of people realize that potentially, even though in, again, looking at lockdown, maybe other start, other kind of parts of our life we may be, you know, less active in, these kind of, you know, styles of training are still very glucose demanding. So we should be placing a, a decent priority in, of, on kind of matching our nutrition to our training. Yeah, I'm just going to pause the video because I get a phone call. I got one twice. Okay, I'm recording again. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully that kind of gives people something to, to think about in regards to kind of matching their, their uh, nutrition to their training. But uh, <laughs> there are also kind of other ways we can kind of look at, at nutrition in terms of its impact on stress as a whole. And I know you've yeah. got some kind of cool things you want to kind of cover on, on carbohydrates and kind of fructose and stuff like that. So uh, I'll hand it over back to you. Yes. So nutrition and sleep let's let's look at that okay in terms of stress management now obviously we've already covered the fact that sleep is very very important for stress management both on a physiological and psychological or from a physiological and psychological standpoint so we want good sleep we know we want good sleep so nutrition um how can new nutrition affect sleep essentially so again let's stay with carbs because we've talked about carbs already and carbs are wonderful and you should eat carbs so let's talk about carbs so in terms of uh sleep one of the best things you can do for good quality sleep and to make sure you stay asleep which is really really key for um sleep quality is making sure we have a regulated blood uh, blood glucose levels throughout the night because if you're not if they dip down guess what that's a signal to your body that stress is happening yeah. then you'll wake up so Looking at uh, fruit, we can put in a piece of fruit, you know, around the nighttime. Um, kiwi is a really good option uh, because it also contains high levels of uh, serotonin, which gets converted into melatonin, which is the antioxidant, which helps you fall and stay asleep. Yep. But looking at fructose in general, it basically fructose helps to feed liver glycogen. And if we ensure we have enough liver glycogen, it helps to maintain a stable blood sugar. So that's going to be really key for when we're going to sleep. Because if we have a, again, make sure we maintain a stable blood sugar throughout the night, means we'll stay asleep and we sort of lose that stress out of things that could potentially happen whilst we're asleep. Uh, so again, better sleep quality, which then means better uh, tolerance to stress and better perceived stress as well. So yep. yeah, something as simple as putting a serving of fruit, ideally kiwi, doesn't have to be uh, with your last meal of the day. It's just such a simple nutritional trick you can do to help with sleep quality and therefore stress management.